You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. This episode is brought to you by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Thursday edition of the Crosscheck, boy, the San Jose Sharks really have some of the worst contracts in the league, as we'll discuss just what happened to a team that used to be an NHL powerhouse only a handful of years ago. Plus, we'll continue our off-season Locked On NHL crossovers with interviews with Armando Velez of Locked On Panthers and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins coming up later. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? Oh, I'm tired this morning. Uh, <laughs> rough sleep, and this morning the kids decided to wake up early, so that was great. Uh, but I'm all right. We'll get through it. I'm excited for... Uh, Today's episode, we did uh, two good interviews with Armando and Hunter, so that's really good, and uh, we've always got some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm sad I had to miss those, um, because I was taking a day off on Wednesday, so, because, you know, even if it's the off-season, I feel like my schedule just got, like, ten times uh, more busy, but sorry that you're feeling tired, but hopefully here's a weekend of rest coming for you, because uh, I think we all deserve it at this point, because, like I said, we're in the off-season, it's time to find some rest if you can get it because the NHL season is coming and it's coming fast, even though we've got like what a month until training camp at least right now. Like we're, we're really closing in on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the amount of rest that we're going to be getting is not that much. <laughs> I think we're going to be uh, gearing up pretty heavily towards the next season and hopefully we gear up enough that things just go smoothly and it doesn't feel like too much of a grind, but I'm, I'm excited for hockey to be back. Honestly, uh, the summer always feels like it's going to be a nice rest, and then you get like a month in, and you're like, all right, I'm ready to watch some more hockey. You know, that's understandable. I just, you know, it's nice to have some time off. <clears throat> yeah, it's nice to have time off, especially after like just a long grind of a season, um, considering, you know, the COVID season, like it impacted and condensed everything, and it just made everything like such a big run to the Stanley Cup final, but I guess we'll dive into our first topic here before we get into our interviews. Um, since there's no hockey news happening, again, not like you're expecting much in the offseason unless, you know, Jack Eichel somehow gets traded out of nowhere, but we're, that's kind of on hold at the moment. But I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the San Jose Sharks. And uh, boy, howdy, do they have some of the worst contracts in the league, at least according to friend of the pod, Dom Lucision at The Athletic. Um, I was scrolling, looking around for something to talk about this week, and I saw that Dom on The Athletic had a list of like the top 10 worst contracts in the NHL. Um, and three of them are the San Jose Sharks, or on the San Jose Sharks. Um, and I was curious, Andrews, if you had any opinions on this, um, because there are some names on here that used to be some really big NHL powerhouse players. And... I'm mostly speaking of Eric Carlson here, and I'm uh, very sad about what has happened to him since he moved to San Jose. But the three contracts that uh, Dom Lucision put on this list that are from the Sharks are, like I said, Eric Carlson, who has $11.5 million um, for the next six years. And then it is Mark Edward Vlasic, 
who has seven million over the next five years, and then Logan Gutter, who has eight million over the next six years. Um, those are some really bad contracts, and I understand why they're there. Uh, so, Andrew, do you have any opinions on the Sharks and their terrible contracts? Specifically, I want to talk about Eric Carlson later in this segment, but, you know, uh, boy, they have some really bad contracts on their books. Yeah, they do. And I honestly, I think the prevailing feeling that I get from looking at these contracts and how they're viewed now is, like, sadness. Yeah. Because, you know, I think... Whenever a player gets into like the the back nine of their career and they get signed to a long term contract, you know that there's a possibility that things are going to go off the rails for them. But I think Eric Carlson was a guy that you looked at and you're like, "There's no way for this guy, right? Like this guy, he'll be fine. He's just too talented. There's his brain, his hockey brain is just gigantic. It's not going to happen." And you look at um, uh, Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter also posted like his like uh, player cards for a lot of these contracts the year that they were signed to say like was there a sign that these guys were going to be bad and for Carlson there was pretty much nothing. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, I mean I knew from the day that that was signed that was going to be a horrible contract. <laughs> it was way too much money. Like my opinion on hockey has always been that essentially there's three uh, areas of the game where you can dominate. You can dominate defensively offensively or in transition and that transition can go either way it can be disrupting the opponent's transition in the neutral zone or moving the puck up the ice for your own team you, you can be good at transition and not necessarily good in your defensive zone uh in terms of stopping people in the neutral zone guys like william nylander are very good at stopping transition but not very good in his own zone and you can be good at transitioning the puck up the ice and not very good offensively that's where a guy like say like drew dowdy is very good or uh, uh philippe Deneau. It's very good. So to me, in order to be worth a big contract, a player has to be good at two of the three. And Mark Edward Vlasic was never really very good at anything but the defensive zone coverage. So to me, that was always going to be a disaster. And there were signs of decline heading in. But Carlson, man, there was nothing really there for, yeah. for a sign. Like there was the injury history, which is something you always have to consider. But he had weathered those injuries and still maintained incredibly elite play. So it's really unfortunate. I think there's still a chance that he could possibly rebound a little bit. I think it would take some changes to his game and he would have to get completely healthy. And maybe these longer summers will facilitate that. But it's kind of the same thing as P.K. Subban, right? Is like you look at him and you think this guy's a cerebral player. There's no way they're going to decline this quickly. And they have. And... To me, that's really unfortunate because they're two of the players that I most loved watching in the entire entire league, and neither like both of them are a shadow of their former selves now. I think Carlson is still much better, but he's kind of become what a lot of his detractors have always believed he was, which is still an offensive contributor, but extremely poor defensively. And that wasn't really the case for most of his career. People just thought that he was bad defensively because he was so good offensively. So now it actually is true, and I that sucks yeah and i think you put it greatly with a shadow of his former self because that's really what we're watching here like i remember a time and it really wasn't that long ago when eric carlson was like considered one of the top defensemen at the like at the position who you know off obviously offensively minded but like he was considered really up there for for a while uh and it really his decline really only happened when he moved to san jose and i don't know if that's a pro if he's a product of you know, their system there because it kind of seems like they are, you know, in the 
tail at like the bottom end of their uh you know winning trajectory like they were in those stanley cups they were you know in the playoffs it feels like every year and now they're kind of reaping the not rewards but you know the uh unfortunate side effects of being good uh for a long time uh, so i don't know if it's just um being in san jose's system that hasn't helped him or if it's just you know like injuries like just a general decline in play because he's only what 31 uh it's not like mark edward vlasic who i believe signed his contract um when he was 30 or just approaching 30 uh so like you're right that deal was going to go bad no matter what but carlson should have had a few more years like a few more years on him before he started this decline and you're right it does make me very sad and it's funny because we were talking last time about how uh, we're eventually going to get to in the next couple of years like a mass exodus of players from a very good hockey generation we're already starting to see just the the pitfalls of some of them just not reaching not reaching their full potential but like not being as good for as long as we thought they were going to be and that is very sad like I mean I agree with you also about PK Subban like I got I got a shirt of his uh, when he was on the Predators. I really really liked him. I mean, I still do. I still like him as a, you know, hockey personality. But he's definitely he's not as good as he once was, and so is Carlson. And then just I really hope that you know for his sake, and even I guess for the Sharks because they're going to be stuck with that contract. I don't think there's any way it's going to get that it's going to get moved anytime soon. Um, I just hope that Carlson rebounds just a little bit because it does really suck to see a player of his talent kind of toil away in San Jose. And yeah, it just, it, it really all started to coincide with, you know, when the Sharks finally bowed out of their contending years. And I really hope that Carlson can, you know, make at least a little bit of a rebound here. Yeah. And I, I think there is something to be said for San Jose's system, limiting him a little bit because obviously Brent Burns is the primary shooter on that back end and he shoots so much that I think Carlson maybe doesn't get the opportunities to shoot that he did in Ottawa or doesn't get the opportunities to pinch in that he used to get in Ottawa. And you can see his goal scoring evaporated right away, even though his first year in San Jose, despite injury, he was very strong overall. He was still probably their best player. So there's some team effects for sure. And I think you could say the same thing about uh, Subban. You could say the same thing about Doughty with the Kings no longer being a big contender. But for Carlson specifically, I don't see a way out from the team effects. You know what I mean? Like we, we were yeah. talking about uh, how many bad contracts the Sharks have, according to Dom, and they've also got Logan Couture, which he rates as one of the worst ten contracts in the league. Another guy who, every time I look at him, I'm like, wait, hold on a second. Logan Couture is how old? He's already yeah. 32. Like in my mind, Logan Couture is still like the kid who joined San Jose and, you know, Marlowe and Thornton are the graybeards. but time passes quickly. Yeah. And now he's on like the back nine of his career. And, you know, Logan Couture, great goal scorer in his prime, a decent point producer, but was never actually a first line player. He was always insulated by the guys higher up in the lineup. And now that he's older and doesn't have the insulation of Pavelski and Thornton and Marlowe, He's been exposed big time, and his contract looks like another behemoth. So the Sharks just don't have any wiggle room whatsoever, and they also have Evander Kane to deal with. Yeah. So it's like this team is so deep in the gutter, and they don't actually even have cap space. They're only three mil under the cap. Like, 
there's nothing going right here. And Couture is signed forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so funny because it almost feels it almost felt like at the time back when the Sharks were you know competing every year and you know making the Cup final, it almost felt like they were ageless in a way. Like, yeah, I mean Pavelski for sure and Thornton yeah, were ageless. Yeah, yeah, I mean like even their young kids to me just always seem to stay young. But like you're you're right. Like Logan Couture, like in his thirties, is uh, Tomas Hurdle still there? I don't think he is, but like he was one he of is. the players. Oh, he is. Like, it's just one of those things where you thought those players, like, for me anyway, because I always, I had thought that that team was knocking on the door of a Stanley Cup and they were denied. But yeah, I had always thought that team had like a ageless quality to them that they brought back the same people every year and they were going to get it eventually and their old guys were still around and they were ushering the young kids. But it's turned. I mean, not everybody's there anymore, obviously. And like, they brought in some other people and... They just they've really hit that they've really hit the cliff of they had their success they weren't able to get a Stanley Cup and now they're kind of wallowing in the um, unfortunate aspect of when you lose um, and you don't get a Stanley Cup and you have all these contracts or even like maybe they even thought that they were going to try and give it one last run and had all these contracts and now we're seeing the detriments of all of that and that like like you said that doesn't even include the Evander Kane thing which uh, we've talked about before, but I think I saw something that even like it was a locker room problem all year long. Players were going into the front office to try and like, it felt like every day, I think. Uh, So just more unrest there uh, in the Sharks organization, but it really is a shame. And it really does suck that, you know, the Sharks never got a cup because it really seems that they were, at least for me, maybe it's just my rose-colored glasses on their time uh, as Stanley Cup contenders because I really did enjoy watching that team. Um, but it really does suck that they weren't able to get a Stanley Cup, and now they're kind of dealing with the side effects of, you know, not having a like not having a contender anymore. Yeah, I mean, no team is able to be competitive forever, uh, even unless the, you're the Penguins. Unless yes. you're the Penguins. I mean, it helps to have like t- the two best centers of a generation, right? <laughs> yeah. On on the same team, and then Chris Letang, who, despite injury and illness and heart attack, I think it was a, it might have been a stroke, not a heart attack, continues to maintain a ridiculously elite play when in the games that he's able to get into. Things sometimes go well for the Penguins, but they, they still haven't had much competitiveness in the playoffs the last couple of years here, right? <laughs> they're kind of, they're, they're treading water, right? They're not necessarily a cup contender, which we'll talk about with Hunter, uh, whether he thinks they can get back there, but the San Jose Sharks were good for so long that like eventually time was going to catch up with them. And the fact is that eventually uh, things are like, things will fall apart on you. Even the Detroit Red Wings who were competitive for like 20 or something straight years, Things fell out from underneath them. You can't always find the elite talent in the draft that you need to do uh, to, to facilitate staying competitive for so long. The The big issue for the Sharks is that they thought that they were going to stay competitive through a lot of these players' 30s, and that just doesn't happen in the modern NHL. You know, like, they've got, let's see here, 19.5, uh, $26.5 million dollars. Uh, attached to their top three defensemen in Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Velasic, and they are 31, 36, and 34. Then you've got Logan Couture, another $8 million until 26, 27, 
and he's 32. Like, this just isn't how you build a team in nah. the modern NHL. And I, I think if you were to look at, the, like, even if some of these contracts looked like they would have worked out when they were signed, I think you can look at the build, like, the quality of the team and what it looks like from afar and see, like, this was not going to work from a, a ways out. And that's it's a shame because the Sharks have been kind of a gold standard in terms of uh, competitiveness every year, even though they haven't won a cup. But that era is definitely over, and I think it's going to be a long time until they're able to build themselves back up there. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Uh, and I think from there, we will shift from talking about random NHL stuff to continuing on with our Locked On NHL crossovers. Uh, we're going to have on the podcast, we're going to have Armando Velez of uh, Locked On Panthers and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. Uh, so you will hear from them in back-to-back segments. And then you will hear from Andrew and I at the tail end of the show talking about our pop culture roulette segment. Uh, and we will see you after the break with our first interview. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code. Locked on. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I am here. It's uh, Andrew. Unfortunately, Mary couldn't be with us. She can't record on Wednesdays this summer, but I'm here with a special guest as we continue our Crosscheck summer crossover with Locked on Panthers host Armando Velez. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I can't wait to talk uh, all things uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, Got, I, and I brought a little bit of uh, South Florida flavor to the show with uh, an espresso coffee right here with my Florida Panthers mug. So nice. brought a little bit of flavor to the show. Got to bring that caffeine to keep the energy up. Hey, it's, it's August time. So we had uh, I talked to Hunter Hodes earlier today, and he couldn't even remember how to spell his last name, the August brain for all of us <laughs> hockey people. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, you got to strain to remember everything. But uh, I think... What isn't a, a trouble for uh, all of you guys who are doing the local hosts is, you know, knowing what's happening with your team. You guys are in it almost every single weekday. Uh, now that it's down to summer, it's only three days a week, but five days a week during the season, you can listen to Locked On Panthers and get all the information about the Panthers from Armando. So I think we got to start this out and just preview the season that's going to happen in a couple months here. Who's in and who's out for these Florida Panthers? Well, a few people were out ba- based on uh, leaving in free agency, which was both of them to the same exact team. Alex Wenberg got himself a pretty nice payday with the Seattle Kraken after a career high season in goals for the Florida Panthers. And in shooting percentage, he got himself a four million ish uh, dollar contract with the Seattle Kraken. The Florida Panthers, as far as the expansion draft, they very they really lucked out on this one uh, where the Seattle Kraken signed Chris Drieger and he was always he was always going to be the odd man out in the goalie situation for the Florida Panthers with Sergey Borovsky still having 5 years left on his uh 10 million dollar AAV contract and Spencer Knight just being on his ELC Chris Drieger was always going to be the one who was going to be the odd man out and he got himself a pretty good uh 
payday out there in Seattle as well. And um, Keith Yandel, before the um, expansion draft happened, before the protection list were uh, announced, he was bought out by the Florida Panthers with two years left on his contract. And the Florida Panthers, thankfully, with the with how the Arizona Coyotes are doing their uh, asset management, they were able to uh, take the contract of Anton Stroman off their hands with a, a $5.5 million contract that uh, Anton Stroman had with an exchange of a 2024 second round pick. So thankfully with the, with uh, the Arizona Coyotes taking some bad contracts, it gives the Florida Panthers some opportunities to, uh, Sign, make some signings for the future. They extended Carter Verhage to a, to a three-year deal. They extended Anthony Duclair. They extended uh, Sam Bennett. There's uh, contract talks at the moment of an Alexander Barkov extension with one year left on his contract. And the only RFA left who hasn't signed his deal yet on this roster is newly acquired Florida Panthers, Sam Reinhart from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a conditional 2022 first round pick and seventh round uh, pick from 2020, Devin Levi. So that is who's in for the Florida Panthers um, coming into next season after really the Florida Panthers' approach was to really pretty much run it back with the majority of their roster that they had last season. It was a very encouraging season after many thought they were going to be a bubble playoff team last year in the Central Division, but ended up being second behind the Carolina Hurricanes in the division standings. And now with the divisions going back to the Atlantic, uh, the Florida Panthers really do believe in themselves that they could really take that next step and finally win their first playoff series since for the first time since 1996. And for good reason. I mean, Florida Panthers for a few years in the last, like, let's say the, the, the Alexander Barkov era have kind of sniffed at the door of being decent and, they never really were able to get over the hump, but last season, if they face anyone other than the Tampa Bay lightning, I think most people would agree. They make it out of the first round. Uh, I thought they were incredible last year overall. And I thought they played the Tampa Bay lightning harder than maybe even any other team in the playoffs did. Like they were Mm -hmm. a really tough team and the lightning had a, a really tough time, especially at even strength. They essentially won that series with their ridiculous power play. So it's a lot going right for the Florida Panthers heading into this next season. You know, you've got guys in their prime like Huberto and Barkov and Sam Reinhardt is the last little bit of business they need to get done. And they're still like $11 million under the salary cap. So there's, this is a good situation for the Florida Panthers. And I wonder, you know, with Joel Quinville behind the bench and how he's been able to establish a solid, uh, a playing style. Do you see much changing between last year and this year in terms of how the Florida Panthers play, or is it just they've added some bits and pieces, lost some players that weren't necessarily going to be part of the future anyway, and it's just more of the progression towards the goal? I think it's, I, I think it's um, the latter, and mostly uh, all the players that were off of the roster from last season to this year were uh, the players that were. The, the the that the Panthers were playing well in spite of some of them. For example, there was a time where Anton Stroman was on the taxi squad after being placed on waivers, but he did uh, he did step up when he needed to in the postseason, especially when the Florida Panthers went 11F 7D after Sam Bennett was suspended for Game Two. 
in the first round series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Keith Yandel, he was last on the team in plus minus, and he was the quarterback on the power play. And this is a point that I argued on the show so many times that the only reason he continued playing was because of that Ironman streak that was going around. But then after his performances, even in the playoffs, and the uh, scratches in the playoffs don't count towards your uh, Ironman streak. So the writing was on the wall for Keith Yandel's future for the Florida Panthers. Uh, like I said, Chris Strieger was always going to be the odd man out when it came to the goalie situation being a UFA. And Alex Wenberg with the and this is a this is a name that I haven't even mentioned yet for the Florida Panthers. Their first round pick from the 2020 NHL entry draft is signed his ELC, Anton Lundell, who averaged just over a point a game in his final season in Liga. So he is projected this season to start off as the third line center for the Florida Panthers this year. So they're just adding itty bitty bits and pieces to what it was already going well for this team. So the expect now with the, their acquisition of Sam Bennett in last year's trade deadline, giving up a future second, which was 2022 and then giving up next year's one for Sam Reinhardt. So that means no, for, no first nor second round picks in next year's draft. That means Bill Zito is going all in for next year. He sees that, the potential and he's only in year two of at the helm at, at the GM position. He's putting all of his chips right then and there saying we're going for it. They saw it was an encouraging season last year and they said, this is now the time to start winning. It's the time is now for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think they've, they've got themselves in the sweet spot here. I think the biggest thing that might go against them is how tough that division is because they might have, mm -hmm the four best teams in the East in their division, which is pretty crazy to think about, but it, it's going to be tough to get through. But I think the Florida Panthers themselves are a tough out. I don't think they're the weak sister of that top four. I think they are right there with all the other teams, especially with the lightning. Now I know they didn't lose any of their major core players, but they aren't going to be as good next season without Blake Coleman, without that Barclay Goodrow line. Like they, they did miss some pieces. So I think there's an opportunity here as the Panthers have identified to, to go forward. Now is the expectation next year simply to, you know, make history in Florida in terms of winning a playoff round, or is this a cup contender? It could go either way. I'll say that, but missing the playoffs, it will be an utter failure for, yeah. for this Florida Panthers franchise. You cannot, you cannot miss the playoffs and the, the media, the media down here in South Florida, even though people like to joke about it and people like to joke about the the fan base here in South Florida, for if the the media, the fans that do that really follow this team religiously, if they miss out on the playoffs, then it'll be a complete and utter disaster. As far as winning the playoffs, as one as long as as when it comes to winning a playoff series, now that is the expectation. I mean. If they do, I'm, I'm just so used to not advancing the playoffs that if they do, it's just, yeah, but at the same time, it'll be complete and utter, and it'll be, uh, there'll be some disappointment there. But that means, but also with the division that they're in, if they win a playoff series, then the belief is there that they could go further and further and further. And I mean, you 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 are very familiar with the Montreal Canadiens. You live in Montreal. You saw what the Montreal Canadiens could do 
if when when a team gets hot after coming back from three to one against the Toronto Maple Leafs and just carrying that momentum into other rounds. And the the Florida Panthers can do just that. They can either be a bounce in the first round or they could make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. It could be either or for this team. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. And I think that this is something that we don't talk about enough at, in media or whatever you want to call like establishment or new media that the Florida Panthers, you're right, that people do kind of try to dunk on the fan base there. But you mentioned earlier that they haven't won a playoff series since 1996. The fact that that team has survived and still has a dedicated fan base without the success and with so many people going through there that have not run that team well, I think we will see a complete change in how that team is received in that market if they go on a cup run, even if they get to the second, third round, you know, like if you can ignite the excitement of that area, there's no reason to think that they can't become something special. And I think that's, what's exciting about this Florida Panthers team is you look at them and they're not a team that's on their last run, right? They're at the beginning of something. Some of their players are a little bit older, you know, like Patrick Hornquist isn't going to be around forever, but Patrick Hornquist is a complimentary player on that team. He's not, a core piece. So I, I, you look at the Barkovs and the Huberdos, and this is a team that for the next four or five years could be a very competitive team. Absolutely. And Patrick Hornquist, he's likely going to start the season on power play one, but on the regular forward lines, he's likely going to be on the fourth line on right on the wing. So who better to have a veteran there than, than someone who's won two Stanley cups. And I also want to say something about the Florida Panthers, as far as, how they're engaging with the community in South Florida. They're building a new uh, venue practice facility in downtown Fort Lauderdale in the War Memorial Coliseum. Um, so they're they're building a new facility there. So the ownership group there for the Florida Panthers is putting more of an emotional investment in this team as well, growing the product there. And here's also a thing that I talked about on my show the other day, that they are the first professional sports team to sign uh, a player to their first NIL deal in name, image, and likeness. They just signed the University of Miami quarterback, Derek King, to an NIL deal. And they talked about like concession uh, items that probably favor uh, Derek King. Like what's his favorite? And that could be something sold, like something at the BB&T Center. And that relationship with the Florida Panthers and the University of Miami can really help ignite also another fan base. They, a lot of, um, if there's anything about South Florida that is really what, what is kind of like religion when it comes to sport, it's football. That, yeah. That's the reality of it. People in South Florida love football more than anything. And I know there's a section of the South Florida fan base that might argue basketball with the success of the Miami Heat. But I tell people when when the University of Miami and the Miami Dolphins are both successful or either or it's a football town through and through. So if 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 the if some if the quarterback from the University of Miami, a a, a program that has won five national championships is getting involved with the hockey team then that's going to just create more more fans for 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 this team and a bigger following and it, and I think it's a great situation for the Florida Panthers but that's the off the ice stuff though the on the ice stuff definitely has to really come come to fruition and honestly Andrew I I was at game 1 of Lightning versus Panthers and that atmosphere at the BBNT Center though it was uh 9,000 people at that arena, it felt like it was full capacity. And as far as, as far as the experience there, that was my first ever playoff game in person. And I felt, I felt so alive when it came to 
that experience. Though they lost game one in that one after Braden Point scored in the final minute of the of the third period. That that was a really big heartbreaker. But that atmosphere there and just a first round playoff series game one and they haven't won a playoff series since 96 the energy of that place was just something else i can't even imagine if they were to advance into the second round and beyond it's something special and that's that absolutely rules uh, before i let you go plug your stuff for me armando all right if you want to follow the locked on florida panthers uh, Twitter page, you can follow it at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can follow me at Mondoman12, where you'll not only just see Florida Panthers tweets there, but you'll see all takes on anything South Florida sports because I, I live and die by, by my region when it comes to my sports teams. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. And hopefully we'll get you on at some point in the season as well. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out, as you've got coconut, coconut almonds, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Built Bar, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box, where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy, too. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you'd like. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hi, and welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. We are here with you with another special guest in our summer Crosscheck crossover project. It's Hunter Hodes from Locked On Penguins. How you doing, Hunter? Not bad, man. You know, it's a nice, it's another hot day here. So um, I really can't complain too much. Here too. It's smoking already. It's like 39 or something already in Montreal. Yeah. Well, yeah. In Fahrenheit down here, it's supposed to be about 95, 96. So um, I don't know what that is in Celsius up there, but I, it's definitely really hot either way. Yeah. I think it's around the same. Uh, this is a, an issue that Mary and I have all the time on the podcast because she's from Pennsylvania as well. So I'm talking Celsius. She's mm-hmm. talking Fahrenheit. Neither of us know what the other person's talking about at any point in time. But yeah. Mary yeah. couldn't be here with us for the interviews today, but uh, she's going to be back with us for the regular segment and for the end of the show. But uh, so Hunter, obviously we're here to preview uh, the penguins and promote your show. But uh, first of all, I think the obvious question for everyone is who's in and who's out for the Pittsburgh penguins. Yeah, so, you know, as typical of a Ron Hextall offseason is, you're not going to see a lot of action. He was like that in Philadelphia. Jared McCann is out, traded him to not lose him for nothing in expansion. You know, I've said on my podcast many times they should have kept him. His underlying numbers have always been really good. He was great this past year. They didn't see it that way, so they ended up uh, trading him to Toronto, and then they lost him. The Maple Leafs lost him anyway. Uh, Brandon Tanev is also out. He was taken in expansion. Um, which definitely I think caught a lot of us by surprise. I thought they would go maybe Zucker or Aston Reese, who I think has better underlying numbers, or you know maybe even someone such as 
you know, one of the defensemen or something like that. Uh, they are out. And then Brock McGinn from Carolina and Danton Heinen have come in to replace both of those. I think the McGinn, I think the McGinn signing is more of a can of replacement just because, you know, both are bottom six players. Um, and I think McGinn can do what Tanev does just maybe a bit better. And then for Danton Heinen, again, a bit of a depth signing, but I think they're hoping that he can get back to the level that he displayed with Boston when he was a 47 point player for a couple of those seasons and his unright numbers were really good. Other than that, um, it's been pretty quiet this off season. They changed goalie coaches. Mike Buckley is out for that. Um, and Andy Chiodo, um, for those that do not know, he was, one of the goalies during the bad years before Sidney Crosby came in in 2003. So uh, when the team was not very fun to watch, he was out there trying to do the best he can. But again, other than that, um, it's been pretty fairly quiet, I would say, for the Penguins this offseason. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because I think the Penguins have kind of tried to go all in for the last like five or six years here, right? And obviously they ended up with two cups out of it, which is better than anybody could really hope for in a yeah. league with so much parity. But at the same time, they're now running through a streak of first round exits and without making any big changes, obviously uh, Ron Hextall is not known for upsetting the apple cart too much. What needs to happen for them to really push forward and be a competitive team again? Yeah, I think, you know, the goaltending obviously needs to be a lot better. I mean, that's the biggest thing going into this season is if they can get at least average goaltending for the whole year or a bit above average, I mean, this team will not only um, do well in the Metropolitan Division, but they will be um, a contender. I mean, that was the biggest reason why they lost against the New York Islanders. They dominated territorially, whether you looked at, you know, Corsi or individual scoring chances for or high danger chances for. Um, it was, wasn't even close, but it was just they were done in by Tristan Jari playing like 2012 version of Marc-Andre Fleury against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, other than the goaltending, I think they could use another forward, you know, if they want to make the team a bit deeper, I still think right now that I'm on paper, um, they're probably not as good at forward and on defense. Well, I shouldn't say defense. I think the defense is fine, but at forward, I think they're not as deep going into this season as they were for last season. Um, but they'll have time for that. Say, you know, I remember when Ron Hextel went out and got Jeff Carter, he said, you know, the team kind of made us do this. So we wanted to reward them with an acquisition of getting him. So I think that that could be a similar situation. If the team plays really well going into the deadline, they can go out and get another top nine four, which I think they desperately need. I mean, a lot of people were hoping they would go after someone such as a Brandon Saad or something like that, or Tomas Tatar. Uh, this, you know, they didn't have the cap space due to the, the former GM just really um, screwing them in that regard. So I think those are the biggest two things going into this season for the team. And, you know, and if the goaltending struggles as well, say Tristan Jari's not playing well by November, December, or same with Casey Smith, they can probably go out and get someone. I mean, I'm sure there will be a couple goalies available. I mean, the Dallas stars have a big situation on their hands right now with four potential starting goalies there. I know Ben Bishop is um, out for a bit. I think he's going to start the season on LTIR, but they're going to have to do some moving there a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Like, I, I think when you look at the Penguins, you see that the top end of their forwards are rock solid, right? Like, Sidney Crosby is always going to get the most out of his line. Everyone loves Jake Gensel. Uh, Jason Zucker, I think everyone expects like a bit of a bounce back offensive year from him. And then I look at the defense, and like you said, I think it's fine. I think it's actually pretty solid. You've got John Marino, who was you know an, an analytics darling as a rookie, and I think he's only got uh, upwards to go. And an underrated guy like Marcus Pedersen, who I think a lot of people expected 
the Kraken to take, but they left him there, uh, taking Brandon, Brandon Tanev instead. So you got the, the middle of the lineup kind of thing, because I think the fourth line or the checking line, whatever you'd, you'd rather call it, with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese is incredible. Uh, everybody respects that line and what they're able to do. So it's like the middle of the forward lineup and then the goaltending. And I think it's safe to assume that Tristan Jerry will have a bounce back year. I, I see him kind of in the same vein as uh, Carter Hart, that there's nowhere down to go. Uh, they're both talented guys. They should be able to get back in there. But I think the biggest question mark might be Evgeny Malkin. Like, is he going to be the Evgeny Malkin that we all expect at 35 years old now? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is a good point. I don't know when he's expected to be back. Um, the latest, I talked to a couple people who cover the team that I'm re- really good friends with, and they say it might be a few months into the season. I- I'm not really sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's 35 now. This is a very serious knee injury. But, I mean, I think they guess a little bit for optimism. He was one of their best players in the playoffs, and he played on that one bum knee. And he was over a point per game in those uh, four games that he played in. So um, I I think that's a really big thing to look forward to going into this year, because if he can do that on one bum knee, what can he do when he's healthy? Obviously, you know, this morning, you know, when the uh, the top 50 poll was released, um, you know what? I'm not going to go into that. There's no spoilers going on um, (laughs) with the uh, top 50 thing with Evgeny Malkin. But um, I still think that he is he has some juice left in the tank. He's obviously not going to be that top five or top 10 player anymore. I still think he's one of the greatest players of this generation, probably one of the five best players of this generation. I, I will always say that, you know, when he was on top of his game <clears throat> and he still was even in 2020, when he had 74 points in 55 games, good luck getting the puck off of him. He's just such a menace and he's so <clears throat> crafty with the puck, but yeah, I mean, that, that is so crucial for them going into this season because, you know, obviously your team looks a lot different when Gino is your second line center compared to Jeff Carter as your second line center, or even Teddy Bluger or whoever else they want to put as their second line center. Um, I think this knee surgery will hopefully do a lot of wonders for him. He's probably not happy with the way this season went. He started off bad, then started playing really well. And it was actually really unfortunate injury because when he got hurt with that knee injury, he was playing the best hockey of his season. He was looking like the Malkin that we saw in 2020. And then all of a sudden um, does whatever he did to his MCL, PCL, whatever um, ligaments in his knee um, and had to delay surgery until the off season. So um, it, it should, this should be really interesting. I mean, I, I really think that he has some left in the tank. I think he's going to su- surprise some people this season, but um, it's, it's a really big question mark. That's for sure. It is. And I think if anybody's earned the benefit of the doubt, it is Evgeny Malkin, right? Like we've watched him now for, geez, it's been almost 15 years. He's been in the league. Like he has been, like you said, one of the greatest players of his generation. I think the only player that you can solidly say has been better the whole time has been Sidney Crosby, who happens to be on the same team as him. So it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic that they've been able to establish. And the fact that the Penguins have been able to hang on to both of them for the entire entirety of their careers is incredible. And I, I think that even people who aren't Penguins fans hope to see Malkin fully recover and be what we expect him to be as long as possible, just because he's also one of the most entertaining players in the league. He's he's like a I don't even know how to like a bull out there, like running through people like Malkin at his peak when he is on his game. I like the way I always talk about him is like there's he's the ultimate power forward. <clears throat> Sidney Crosby will go around guys and he'll battle in the corner and he plays hard. 
But if Guinea Malkin goes through guys and there's very few people who can stop him. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can look no further than those three cup years. I mean, he was just, especially 2009, that was what 21, 22 year old Balkan and good luck stopping him. 2016, he came back from that major elbow surgery in the playoffs was back to his former self. And, and he was out, um, Andrew, I think for those last three months of the season when he got hurt and he came back better than ever. I know he was a bit younger at the time, but I could still see something similar here um, after coming back from another major surgery and just looking like his former self, to be honest. And then in 2017, you could have given the con smite to him or Sid. I would not have cared. He was just so good that run as well. But yeah, I mean, that's a perfect description. He is that power forward uh, that, you know, he will sit he'll knife through guys and he'll win battles along the boards and use his size to beat you um uh, you know unlike Sid who will just you know he'll just go behind the net a bit but just also kind of deke and dangle around you a little bit and just be a little more shifty but um again I'm really excited to see what he can do for this season um I think on his line you're probably going to see Kasperi Kaplan again with him. They look, they worked great as a duo. Maybe they'll have Jason Zucker on there to have a bit of a bounce back. That's a player, you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, that's a player I think a lot of Penguins fans, myself included, have been a bit disappointed by just because the production this last season was not very good. But um, during the 2020 season, he put up almost a point per game. That was with playing with Sid. So I'll be curious to see if they go back to that with him. But um, he, I think he can still work out a role on that Gino line, it's just, it's going to take maybe a little more time. So that left wing spot on Gino's line, I think is going to be definitely, I think a real competition. I'm not really sure um, who will they put on there. I mean, I've seen people say they could put Aston Reese on there, but that's a hard pass. I think he works great with Teddy Bluger, maybe even Brockman again. Maybe they'll put Danton Heinen on there, honestly, to see if they can get some of his magic back from uh, 2018 with Boston. Yeah, there's, there's lots of options and, and that's, what's exciting. And plus, as we know, the Penguins always find a Mark Donk to, to fit in there and a Buzz Flibbit coming out of nowhere to uh, <laughs> put up 30 goals and 60 points. So who there'll be somebody who will come out of the woodwork and uh, be an offensive contributor for the Penguins that we've never heard of before. But uh, before I let you go, Hunter, what are the, your expectations for the Penguins this season? I think just looking at where Crosby and Malkin are in their careers, I think the goal is always the same is to scrape out one more cup. But what are the actual expectations that you have? Yeah, obviously, Andrew, you know, the goal is to get one more cup for the duo to tie them with Gretzky and Messier for four. Um, but I think realistically next season, um, they should be a contender in the Metropolitan Division. I would not put it past them to win the division next season just because, you know, they won the East Division this past year. My opinion, that was the toughest division in hockey, especially with Boston there, Washington, the Islanders, et cetera. Um, but, you know, they should be right gunning for the top, I think, with the Capitals and Carolina. I think a lot of the Metro, as it stands today, is very mediocre. I don't like what the Rangers did this offseason. I don't like what um, Columbus is doing. Well, they're kind of rebuilding, so whatever with them. I think New Jersey, I like what they're doing, but they're still a few tiers below. Philadelphia, I don't really think they're going to be that good. Um, same with uh, – well. And then, of course, I do forget the Islanders, and I don't know why I keep forgetting that because they've gotten to the conference final the last two years. They'll also be in the thick of that. Those four teams should get to the playoffs. So um, that's a realistic expectation. The Penguins should 100% be a playoff team next season. Um, I also think they will be a contender 
in the East to come out of it. I don't know if they're going to do that just because, you know, Boston is still really good. They improved a lot. Tampa Bay, obviously, for, you know, they're, they're outstanding. Florida is going to be really good this year. Then, of course, you have the teams gunning for them in the Metro. Um, it's, I, I guess, to some to summarize this, they should not only be a playoff team, but they should be a contender to go deep into the playoffs. I'm not going to say that, you know, they'll win the Stanley Cup because I don't know how – I don't think that's unlike, I don't think that's likely at this point, but they should still be a team that is going to be very dangerous next season and um, can do some damage in the playoffs. Granted, if the goaltending is at least average next season and potentially they go out and get another forward um, for the lineup. But um, I think people that think the demise of the Penguins comes this year think that's maybe a few years too early. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. They, they have a, a tougher road to sled, but uh, they're going to be a tough team to knock out as well. Uh, Hunter, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, before I let you go, plug some stuff. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. The last name is H-O-D, uh, H-O-D-I-E-S. I almost mis- almost misspelled my last <laughs> name, which I don't think I've ever done before. On my August podcast. brain, so, man. August I'll, brain. I'll, I'll, yeah, literally, that's the first time I think I've ever done that in my life. So that's where my mind is today. Um, the show's Twitter is at LO underscore penguins. I just had Brock McGinn on my show, the newest Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. So you can go check out that. Hope I'm hoping to bring on some more former players of the franchise and some current players um, throughout the month of August and potentially into September. And yeah, you can go find the Locked On Penguins podcast wherever you find um, podcasts. All right. Perfect. Thanks so much for doing this. And we'll talk to you again, probably during the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the, all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Andrew. Those were some fun interviews. I'm really sad I got to miss them, but I am sure they were a treat. And I know Hunter specifically because I have worked with Hunter before is a delight and probably has all good things in the world to say about the Philadelphia Flyers if it comes up in the interview, because I know you would do that to me. <laughs> I think I did mention them uh, a little bit, but uh, I think I mentioned Carter Hart specifically in comparison mm. to Tristan Jerry, but both both guys were awesome. Uh, they were both disappointed that you weren't, av- you weren't available, but uh, we got through it. It was really fun, and I think we did uh, good previews for both the Panthers and the Penguins, which I think people will enjoy. Yeah, it's... Like I said, this has been really fun so far, and I mean, we're only in the first week of it, um, so there will be more to come uh, as the off-season rolls on, so you can continue to subscribe and listen, and of course, uh, subscribe to Lockdown Panthers and Lockdown Penguins, uh, so you can get your fill of their 
you know, coverage. Uh, so ending off today, we're back to our pop culture roulette segment that we do every every episode. I don't know if you have anything in the dock, Andrew, but I can go first if you're scrambling to think of something because it always feels like these Thursday episodes, uh, there's not enough time to watch something or do something, uh, but I still enjoy doing it anyway. But um, over the last couple of days, I was able to watch the uh, Jungle Cruise, the Disney live action movie starring The Rock and Emily Blunt, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, I'd heard and- that from other friends as well, that it wasn't yeah. amazing, but it was like flat it out was, enjoyable yeah it was enjoyable i mean it has a uh atlantis uh like you know the animated film it has mm-hmm. like that kind of vibe to it at the beginning so i was like already i'm i was already into it because i really love that movie um and yeah it was it yeah it was enjoyable i mean was it great no but it was enjoyable i sat through the entire two-hour film and had and had fun and um it's obviously based off of the jungle cruise ride from you know the disney parks where they have you know, the incredible puns that you hear. So most of the puns are loaded into like the first half hour of the movie. Um, And as somebody who enjoys those puns, I usually don't enjoy puns, but I enjoy them from that ride specifically. Um, You'll get a, you'll, you're in for a treat if you like that type of stuff. Uh, Then it goes into like, uh, it has more plot than you would expect for a movie based off of a Disney ride, but it was fun. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, definitely recommend. Um, it gets a little dark in some places, but not nothing like terrible. But I definitely like recommend Willy it. Wonka dark. Uh, uh, it's more like I I don't want to say body horror dark, but there's like some like um, I don't know. There's just some weird um aspects to it that can be a little bit uh gruesome, I guess, for tiny tiny kids. But it was still a fun time because you know it's got. You know, The Rock making dad jokes every five seconds and Emily Blunt being fun. And um, I don't know the the guy who played her brother, but he was cool, too. So it was a good time. I definitely recommend it. I don't know if I would recommend it for like little, little kids, because it's one of those things where like um, as a kid growing up, I watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and I got terrified for the rest of my life. So I don't know if you would do that to your kids, but definitely like a... <laughs> recommend for maybe like a kids a little bit older just because of the weird like there's some like body horror parts it like if you've seen the movie i think you know what i'm talking about but i don't want to like spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it but like there's some really interesting parts to it but it was fun it was a i thought it was a good time um yeah definitely recommend all right i haven't seen it yet but uh, i have oddly seen a lot of the promotional material about it like interviews that emily blunt and the rock do uh with different companies and she just like lays into him the whole time like emily blunt is underrated for how funny she is yes i agree everyone should know that because like the first thing i ever saw her in i think was devil wears prada and she was hilarious in that but i don't think she gets enough uh credit for her comedic chops Uh, i also i watched uh, the quiet place too with emily blunt in it uh, last Ah. week which was very good very fast it's kind of like a throwback it's i think it's only like 90 minutes or something like that wow and uh, those movies are really really well done i'm a big fan of john krasinski and what he's done there um other than that i watched what if the first episode on wednesday which was fun it was about uh what if uh peggy carter took the super soldier serum instead of steve rogers very good very good okay how long are the episodes only 30 minutes okay so it, it's kind of co- it goes over like the entire plot of 
Captain America, the first Avenger in 30 minutes. So it, it kind of feels like it's playing on fast forward in a lot of ways, but there's like these subtle differences that happen and you can see like the ripple effect of how history changes and the whole cha- like a uh, impetus for things changing. It's very low key is that mm-hmm. in Captain America, the first Avenger, when they're about to start the, pro- the thing, uh, Dr. Erskine says to Peggy Carter, wouldn't you be more comfortable in like the viewing gallery? And she says, yes, of course. And she goes up and then everyone else goes up to the viewing gallery. And in this one, she says, no, I'd rather stay. And everyone who was in the viewing gallery stays in the room. So like the assassin is there in the room. So it, yeah. it just that ripple effect changes everything. It's It was super interesting. And I like where Marvel is going here. It's once again, it wasn't as weird as Loki or WandaVision, but I like what they're doing where they're flexing their creative muscles to give us something weird and new. Yeah. And I I appreciate that they're jumping into animation too. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can speak on uh, what it looks like. I mean, I've seen. Oh, it looks fantastic. Couple, okay. Because I've seen a couple clips and it seems really neat. So maybe that is something I'll check out. Uh, because I really love animation. Um, I always enjoyed it as like a media, an art form. Uh, so I really find it cool that Marvel's like jumping in and using that type of storytelling to tell this because I think that's perfect. That's the perfect way to do it. Yeah. Um, so I do hope it gets you know more weird, but only one episode is out. Uh, it seems so. Maybe in the maybe in like future episodes because I don't know how many episodes and what they're going to be doing, what ifs of. But I knew that the Peggy Carter one was like uh, one of the ones that they had. Um, marked to do so i guess i'll check that out then especially if it's like so short um that probably makes it easy to you know digest and i'm always here for like i said animation and stuff like that so i guess uh disney marvel on our brains feels like most of the time but uh makes sense but yeah I need, they own I def- everything right <laughs> yeah this is true uh i need to i think the next thing i'll watch i don't know if before our next episode but my sister told me that luca the disney pixar film that was really good um so I yeah might... it was good i i yeah. we watched that with dylan he really enjoyed it and i i think that's kind of the bar right now for us <laughs> it's not like one of pixar's greatest films but it's good it's like wholesome it's got like you know the it's. I think it feels more Disney than Pixar because it's very like, and this is the lesson that everybody learned. But it's kind of a movie about like family and friendship, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, that's what I'd heard, and I heard it looks great. Uh, it's definitely got the wholesome vibe, summer vibes. Uh, so I'm all here for that because uh, it's the middle of August, and we're kind of approaching the end of summer, which is wild to think about. Um, but I think that's all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at CrosscheckNHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Tuesday with some more Puck Talk. See you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.